I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the 29 to my 30. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's Ryan and Justin back in your ears for some championship goodness. But since the last time we did an episode, Justin, we, of course, have had both of our birthdays. Mm. Forget Valentine's Day and all that nonsense. Ryan and Justin's collective birthdays are the big deal from the past few days. How does it feel to have reached the grand old age of 30? Hence the 29 to my 30 intro. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's different. Life feels different, Ryan. It feels very different. I, I worry in the mornings now. I I wake up and I get up and I, I don't know whether you know, my back's going to go. I don't know whether, mm. you know, my knees are going to go. It's it's one of those. And I think that the saddest thing about it actually is that we're, we're both in an age bracket where um, we are squad numbers. We are squad, we are squad yeah. members, squad numbers. You know, we are 30 onwards. It's until we get to 50 or 60 where we become sort of an Italian club's prime player, you know, when they pick like a 62, random 62 or a 59. Um, but no, we are, we are squad players now. We are, we are past our prime and we're squad players. Yeah, we're academy players. We've got no chance of getting into the first team. That's what... We're getting released on. at the end of the season. Yes, that's what 30 onwards tends to be. Uh, any good presents for your birthday? Any good presents? Um, I, I received uh, a gym-specific present. I'm not going to bore the listeners with it. I, I got a lottery ticket as well, which is actually my first oh. one since I was 16. You've never bought a lottery ticket? No, no. I don't, wow, okay. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I just, uh, I've never, I just don't like the odds. They're, they're against me, severely. <laughs> well, you've got to be in it to win it, Justin. Do you want to see one of the presents I got for my birthday? Yeah, I can see it, but the listeners can't, so. Oh, there we go. go. For uh, the people who aren't watching this on YouTube, (laughs) it's a book of the funniest Neil Warnock quotes. There's a whole (laughs) book dedicated to it, and there's how many pages? 120 pages. (laughs) (laughs) And you've read 115 since Tuesday. I just can't believe they've managed to make a whole book out of Neil Warnock quotes. I mean... If you're doing a book on Neil Warnock, fair enough, but dedicated purely to his quotes, that's something special. Um, Justin, do you want to play a little game? Oh, you know I love games. Give me a number between 1 and 120 and I'll read out a quote for you. 30. 30. Give me two secs. Do, 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 do. Um, this is Neil Warnock talking about ex, an ex-West Ham forward playing in Sheffield United's relegation. And then Carlos Tevez, football's equivalent of a murderer out on bail, scores the goal that kept West Ham up and potters down. <laughs> the equivalent to a murderer being out on bail. <laughs> here's another one. Here's another one for you. Um, 
There are two or three managers I just can't stand. I detest them. So far, I've kept to myself what I hate about them, but what they say gets a lot of coverage. I'd love to come back and give my version. I'd like to tell everybody why I dislike these people. Does it say who he's talking about? It doesn't, but the book insinuates that it may be Gary Megson and Stan Turnant. Oh, the, the Gary Magson thing is quite apt because of the, the Battle of the Bramwell Lane. And I, I'm, yeah, there is a few funny Stan Turnant stories, actually, if I think back as well. <laughs> so. I'm just looking at the other page here and uh, on the Carlos Tevez theme, mm -hmm. um, he said a few years later, the sooner he leaves the country, the better. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he's, he's a man that doesn't hold a grudge, no. I don't think is old warning. But anyway, welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, not only was it just a nice birthdays over the past couple of days, but we also had a load of championship football, which we are going to dissect here and now. Of course, some big news regarding Southampton. Their unbeaten run has finally come to an end, so we'll dissect that very shortly. We'll also talk about wins for Leeds. Ipswich as well there, back on the tractor. Uh, the Ipswich are going up tractor. That is back on the road, ladies and gentlemen. And then, of course, we're also going to discuss that Jaden Philogene goal. Was it an own goal? Would it have been goal of the season had it not taken perhaps a slight deflection? All slight. will be revealed <laughs> later on in the show. But let's kick things off with Southampton, whose unbeaten run has finally come to an end after they lost 3-1 at Bristol City. 25 games that run lasted, 22 in just the league. And this is their first loss since the 23rd of September. An incredible run. And that's got to be acknowledged. But the surprising thing here is Southampton were outclassed by Bristol City and they, they were just outdone, which I don't think I saw it coming, Justin. Yeah, it was a it was a real night of positives for Bristol City, and you say you didn't really see it coming. They, you know, Southampton weren't particularly good against Huddersfield, but if you go back to Bristol City, they just looked quite comfortable out of possession. They set traps and broke at times, and the second half looked really potent. Um, it was a good display, and considering they hadn't won in the last four home games. You know, they were a threat from a set pieces and Sam Bell looked incredibly lively and he scored his first goal since September. So I don't think this was particularly a fluke. I think Bristol City, their form and their performances under Liam Manning over the past sort of 15 or 20 games has been really, really positive. It's been really good. It's been progressive. And Southampton, I would say they've had a little dip, um, just a little dip, only a little like sort of, you know, getting under a, a barrier, that sort of dip. It's not, nothing nothing um, massive, but it's about reacting for them. So you say you didn't see it coming, but, you know, Southampton weren't particularly good against Huddersfield or at their best, shall we say. Um, and they were punished then, and they got, but they got away with it. And again, they were they were punished here against Bristol City. You know, if you're not in top gear, you will get punished by by better sides. And, and they were here. Bristol City were really, really good. Yeah. Well, Southampton have been brilliant defensively in this unbeaten run, particularly recently. However, they did have a couple of games, namely that Huddersfield one from the weekend. And also, strangely, the Swansea one as well, where they conceded a fair few chances. So... I don't think this has come completely out the blue, but it's still a surprise. It seemed like Bristol City knew to target Ryan Manning at left-back. He's very good going forwards, isn't he? But not the best defensively. And it resulted in two goals down that side for Bristol City. But overall, Southampton was sloppy. And it's something Adam Armstrong acknowledged after the game uh, during this 25-game run. There haven't been too many games where they didn't play well, but still got a result. By and large, they've been the better team in every outing not here though so that's 
why this is also still quite a surprising result. And it, it felt like the showing really came out of nowhere. Of course, the Huddersfield game was a scare, but they didn't play particularly poorly there. And as we say, the Swansea game from a week or two ago, they gave away a fair few chances, but again, weren't poor by any means. Here they were poor. So the question now is, how do they respond? Is this a blip or is it more than that? Unfortunately for them, they have got West Brom away on Friday, which is one of the toughest fixtures they'll have all season. So it doesn't get any easier for Saints. We'll have more of a chat about that game and whether this is just a blip in uh, for Southampton in the preview show with SBK tomorrow, Justin. But hey, let's give Bristol City their flowers. There haven't been many sides who have even drawn with Southampton since September, let alone beat them. So an unbelievable result on their behalf. And I tell you what, they've had a pretty impressive month, haven't they? They've beaten West Ham in the mm -hmm. Cup, taken Forrest to a penalty shootout in the Cup as well. Got a point away at Coventry, only narrowly lost to Leeds, one away at Middlesbrough, and have now become the first team to beat Southampton since September. And it feels like Liam Manning is quietly making a lot of progress there. Yeah, I say quietly, you're probably right. He has gone under the radar in terms of, you know, there are other managers who are probably, I wouldn't say vocally doing a better job, but um, yeah, Liam Manning's done, he's done, a, he's done a sterling job since he came in and, you know, replacing Nigel Pearson and trying to progress a style of play is a difficult thing. And if you think to how he wants to play, he's typically a possession-based football uh, guy, you know, his philosophy is possession. It's it's it can be patient, it can be on the front foot. Um, but you look at this game in isolation, for example, they had twenty nine percent possession, so they were comfortable without the ball. I mean, it's always going to be difficult playing against Russell Martin side anyway, because they are so good in possession, no matter who he's managing, whether it's Swansea, MK Dons, or even Southampton. So you're always going to be the side that's going to be without the ball. But the way they set up here was 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 near perfect. And I think for me, it's just the fact that he's recognised the strengths in his squad and and he's tapping into it. You know, it's a high energy, it's young, it's vibrant. Yeah, it's a squad packed with hungry players. You've got Max Bird arriving in the summer as well. It's it's a really positive, progressive um, position that Bristol City are in. And you compare him to other managers that have come in, in this, this season. Wayne Rooney's tried to change his style of play overnight. He didn't last very long. Darren Moore didn't last very long. So he's outlasted managers that he got appointed at a similar time with. So yeah, kudos to Liam Manning. He's made a step up from Oxford incredibly well. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Bristol City can do over the next few months. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're a very energetic side, aren't they? They're good fun to watch. And I think if you ask Bristol City fans, the feeling was that a performance like this has been coming. I'm just not sure many people expected it to be against the 25-game unbeaten <laughs> Southampton. But they are a really good side. They've got a squad full of exciting young players. Tommy Conway, Sam Bell, Jason Knight in particular, I think is a really promising midfielder and they got him for a bargain in the summer. Then you've got some other players in their peak years like your Rob Dickies, Joe Williamses, and it's just a good collection of players and Liam Manning's got them playing. The big issue with them has been consistency. But they seem to be starting to find that. So will it be enough for a serious stab at the playoffs? I would consider them an outside shot right now. Other sides seem better equipped in that regard. But next season, though, I think they could be a bit of a dark horse, Justin. What do you think? It's, it's an interesting uh, position to be in. I think they're in a really good place right now. Um, if you look at their recruitment, it's been largely quite good and pragmatic and and, and 
careful over the last two summers yeah 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 not i'm not going back to lee johnson years no 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 way i think brian tinian deserves a lot of credit for transforming that you look at the young players that have come through from um from different clubs you know they go to guernsey and jersey quite a lot to 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 pick up players which i think is a um, you know a good good market to tap into i guess because alex scott's had success coming from there but um you know that's by the by they they are in a really good place and if they carry on their trajectory they are going to be a side who can compete next season like you said this season might be too soon but they could ask questions at the very least and use this campaign as a positive as a springboard for a for a good season next season yeah yeah 100% agree with that well Leeds took full advantage of Southampton's slip up by thumping Swansea 4-0 sees them move up to second by having played a game more than Ipswich and Southampton and this was vintage Leeds United here wasn't it we've seen them put in several top gear performances this season and this was another one to add to the collection Swansea didn't really offer much at all in truth but that may be in large down to Leeds just shutting them down and them taking them apart at the other end I say taking them apart Swansea were awful defensively mm-hmm. here uh, two of the goals came from Willie Nonto who's finally arrived at the Leeds United party he infamously had that moment in the summer where he threw his toys out the pram about not getting a move away and spent most of the season making sub appearances but has had a few starts recently and now scored four from four and he is arriving at the party and he's brought the Jaeger just in He's brought the Jaeger. Yeah, we've seen flashes of him. Um, and it's only taken six months of the season for him to, to, to really get going. But is there a better time to do it than now? Probably not. Peaking now is perfect. Um, I mean, you've only got to take in these his, his footwork and movement for the third goal. It was fantastic. And it just highlights the quality that he's got in abundance and what he can bring to this lead side. Um, but you are right. You know, Swansea, were, Swansea were terrible. And, you know, Farkball was at its at its very best in this game. I will ask you a quick question, actually. Do you think the the notion of Leeds having more top gear performances or seemingly having more top gear performances than the likes of Leicester is because they play that exciting, fast counter-attacking football, whereas Leicester are, quote-unquote, boring, boring Leicester? Maybe. You might be on something mm-hmm. there, Justin. I think yeah. you, you may be right, actually, because I think Leeds are more direct, aren't they? And uh, yeah. can have that can lead to them creating more significant chances than Leicester, for example, where... Leicester may lead to just having loads of half chances if you see what I mean. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think, think maybe on something there. I think Leicester are a fine wine to sip on on a Sunday afternoon, whereas Leeds are your Saturday night. Rock you go roll. out, rock and roll. Let's yeah. have a few pints. Let's have a few shots. And it doesn't always work. Obviously, you can't do it every weekend because you get tired. You get you might get poorly. Whereas Leicester, you know, you can have a you can have a wine on a Sunday night. That's all. That's all. I think that's the best comparison I can give them. Yeah. Well, back on Nonto for a sec because I think it's definitely worth focusing on his yeah. rise. Um, because I've just really enjoyed his performance here, and I'm really enjoying him back in the Leeds side. One thing I didn't enjoy was the Leeds X account tweeting about his goal. Willie sticks it in. Absolutely revolting on their behalf. But he has really come alive recently, Anthony. Not only has he spent a lot of the season on the bench, but he's not really taken his chance when he has played, which is why Dan James has been ahead of him in the pecking order. Yeah. And now he's got this chance. He's definitely making the most of it. And the funny thing from the Swansea game is he actually missed an easier chance than the two goals he scored. So really should have had a hat-trick. However, he seems to be enjoying his football again. And we haven't seen that for a while. It's also really bad news for the rest of the league if he is enjoying his football because Crescentio Somerville one side, Willie Nonto the other side, that is a pretty frightening attack. 
isn't it? And that's before you even get onto the likes of Rutter, Pirro, Bamford, down the middle. So Leeds are seemingly getting better and better. This winning run has been sublime. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a frightening time to be playing Leeds United. I can tell you that much for sure. A shout for Artie Gray, who provided a delicious assist for Nanto's first goal as well. That was exceptional and he's an exceptional talent. And it's now just one goal conceded in seven games for Leeds. That is an unbelievable record. So not only are they a team to watch out for at one end of the pitch, they're also one that's incredibly difficult to break down at the other end of the pitch. Um, but it may not be plain sailing for Leeds United when it comes to the automatic promotion race because Ipswich Town are back in business. They won 4-0 away at Millwall, just their second league win in 10 games. But a massive result for Kieran McKenna's boys. In truth, didn't really feel like a 4-0 game. Ipswich didn't seem to get out of second gear, but still ended up absolutely cruising this one, Justin. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird one. I think it's hard to really decipher or take things away from it, which other than it was a good away performance. It was it was tidy, it was professional. They looked comfortable, but how much of that was because of how poor Millwall were? You know, Ipswich get a couple of goals in the first half and Millwall have next to no answer for them. And then all Ipswich need to do is manage the game. And they did that really, really well. Um, so as I say, I think Ipswich were just efficient with their movement. They took their chances. Um but you can come away from it and take so many positives. You know, Kiefer Moore getting his third goal for Ipswich, that's going to breed confidence. Ali uh, Al-Hamadi getting his first goal as well, that's going to breed confidence. There are good things to take away from this game. It's a it's a heavy away win um, without having to exert too much energy, which again, if you're in, in Kieran McKenna's position where you've had a lot of injuries, um, your defence has been a little bit shaky. This was a type of game they needed where they almost shut out Millwall kept him at arm's length and just said, look, we're going to do our business. You do what you can. And they managed it really well. And I think that's probably a bigger positive to take out of it than winning 4-3 as they usually do. Well, it, well, this is a timely reminder of how functionally brilliant the Sipsbridge side are because they can quite easily take an opponent apart if they're there for the taking and Mill definitely were here. I mean, I, I've mentioned a lot recently how unlucky Ipswich have been in games and it would seem their luck has turned based off the first three goals. Each of them had their fair bit of luck about them. At the same time, they missed some easier chances as well. But we need to remember they're fourth for a reason. They, they've been second for most of the season because they are a damn good side and it's looking like a very complete starting eleven now with the addition of Kiefer Moore up top and Ali Al-Hamadi got his first goal as well coming off the bench, as you mentioned. If they can make this the start of a run of form, then maybe they can prove you wrong, Justin, and still be in with a chance of automatic promotion. The next eight games are all against sides in the bottom half. Well, seven of eight, actually, because Bristol City have now moved into the top half. But <laughs> still, the point remains that there's a very good chance here that this could be the beginning of the return of the Ipswich town we all know and love. So whether this is the sign of a good run of form starting, we shall wait and see. Just quickly on Millwall, Justin, I was mildly surprised to look at the bottom of the table and see them 21st. It seems a bit mm. of a theme at the moment, doesn't it, where these teams hovering just above the bottom three are rotating between each other over who's in danger of going down. A couple of weeks ago, it seemed like Blackburn were in serious danger. Then it was Stoke. Do you genuinely think Millwall could go down? They have got just one point from six games, so pretty shocking form. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm really on the fence. I, I don't think they'll be 
too many poorer teams than the ones that are in the bottom three at the moment. It's going to take a lot for Sheffield and Wednesday, Sheffield Wednesday and QPR to to pull themselves out. It's going to be a, a near miracle similar to Huddersfield last season, but we can't rule it out. But I think the teams that are down there hovering above the relegation zone, it's been a disastrous season. You know, Millwall spent a fair bit of money for their standard in the summer. So did Stoke. Um, so too did Birmingham. And obviously they've had a traumatic season themselves. So and, and Swansea, actually, all the clubs that are currently hovering above the bottom three actually had fairly productive summers other than Huddersfield. So yeah, it is a surprise and it is a disaster to see them down there. They should be doing better, but they're not. And if I'm looking at it, I can't rule Millwall out. Like I can't rule Stoke out or Huddersfield or even Birmingham or Swansea at this point. Yeah, yeah, it is a funny one with those teams who are just hovering, aren't they? They don't seem to be getting any better. I thought Millwall had turned a corner because they won three games in a row between Christmas and New Year. And I thought that was it now. Joe Edwards was finally getting a tune, but seemingly not. I mean, I said not too long ago, I'd have been surprised if Blackburn or Stoke genuinely got, were genuinely at a stage where they were in danger of going down. And I feel like Millwall are in a category above them where I'd be even more surprised if they actually got relegated because mm. that is a bloody decent squad they've got at Millwall. And while it's admittedly not going very well right now, I would be genuinely extremely surprised if yeah. they finished below one of the current bottom three because that is a but- pretty poor standard, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, absolutely, it absolutely is and it will be a disaster. But just to give you the current mood of how the Millwall supporters are feeling towards the current squad, I saw a tweet, one of those buy, keep, sell tweets that fans put together and things get really tough and the majority of players in the Millwall squad had sell next to their name. So that tells you exactly what Millwall fans are currently thinking about the squad and about their form. Yeah, but Justin, that's just typical of a team who have got one point from six games, isn't it? And yeah. look, Millwall have had a very disappointing season. You could make a very decent argument that they're the big underachievers of the season that doesn't necessarily mean that they're seriously going to go down maybe it's one to review in a month's time and if they're still looking over their shoulder a bit then we may have to revise this opinion but like actually picture it how would you feel if you in 22nd place at the end of the season if you saw that right now you'd be startled wouldn't you I'd be startled, yeah. I'd go, you know, I'd, I'd shoot back in my chair, go, oh. yeah. you know, it'd be one of those oh, things. Like, but at the same time, a team in twenty first, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't rule them out. I think that's the key. That's the key thing. Yeah, but can you actually see them finishing below QPR, who have been pretty shocking all season? I can see anything happening in the championship. Yeah, but just you see anything this about happening. Stoke, Blackburn, all these teams who have been hovering. Yeah. above you said, oh, I can't rule them out, and then suddenly they all look fine again after a couple of weeks. And I feel like Millwall could be very much the same here. It's a better, it's better to put, put, put a fiver on each team than £25 on one team, isn't it? I'm not sure that works out in this case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh dear, well, well, we'll talk more about the relegation battle very shortly, but here's the obligatory mention of Leicester City to round off the promotion chats. They won again, beating Sheffield Wednesday 2-0 and increasing their lead at the top of the championship to 12 points. Jamie Vardy was amongst the goals. He, of course, was once on the books at Sheffield Wednesday, but was released for being... Too small. <laughs> Justin, is this the worst example of releasing a young player in the history of football? Because you look at the trajectories of these two clubs since he left. It's uh, it, it, it's looking like one massive clangor on behalf of whoever that was at Sheffield Wednesday back in the day. 
I don't know. I mean, Vardy's a bit of a freak, isn't he? Not only because of the vodka, Red Bull and Skittles and him being a Premier League winner and that fueling his Premier League winning campaign. Um, it's also the fact that he didn't enter the EFL fully fledged until he was in his mid-20s. And then he just became a goal-scoring freak. You know, you can't you can't bank on someone peaking in their mid-20s. For example, I got dumped when I was 16 and no one could foresee me becoming a, a sexy, charismatic, successful podca- podcast host now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but on that point... I get what you're saying, that he is a bit of a freak. And look, it's taken a good few years after he left Sheffield Wednesday to start proving them that they were wrong. Having said that, surely he surely he can't have... There, there can't have been too much of a difference from when he was, however old he was, 16, 17, 18, to the point like 10 years later to him being one of the greatest goal scorers the Premier League has ever seen. Surely there must have been a player there and just releasing him was just a catastrophic decision. I don't think, I don't think it was a catastrophic decision. As I say, you can't foresee what a player is going to do in 10 years' time. Sheffield Wednesday have released one of the greatest players the Premier League has ever seen. <laughs> it's, it's a rough one to take. But as I say, he didn't peak until he was 25. Like, well, he didn't even peak until he, was, he peaked probably a bit later. Still a catastrophic decision. He peaked until he was 28. I don't think it was. Of I don't think. It was. I don't think. I don't is... think you know because you're using hindsight now to have it's a. Of course you know, I am. But how many players get released and don't make it? Don't do a Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy's uh, an exception to the rule. As I say, no one, no one can become as successful as he has, living off Red Bull and Skittles. Only toddlers can, and he's not a toddler. He's twenty-five. He was twenty-five. Are you giving me a so, toddler Red Bull? <laughs> I'm a I'm a terrible guardian. <laughs> Do you know I once bumped into Jamie Vardy while coming out of the toilet on a on a train once. It was it was a very bizarre incident for me. Was this before he was Jamie Vardy? No, so no, no. This was oh god, when we're talking. This was after he won the Premier League, like when oh he was god, still very was... much a fully fledged Premier League striker. I just came out the toilet once and stood directly in front of me. I was like, oh. That's Jamie Vardy. And then Rebecca was there as well, but this was before the whole, you know, grass. Were you in first class? Sorry? Were you in first class? Um, Well, now I can't remember. Maybe I was. I don't think you were. I don't think you were. I I, I wasn't. You were using the first class toilets, weren't you? I wouldn't buy a first class ticket because I'm a man of the people. However, I may have used the first class toilet. Well, the first class toilets are much different on a train. You're thieving... Thieving little man, that's what it is. Oh, I used the toilet on a train. The first class toilet. Who's the most famous person you've ever met in a strange circumstance? Um, I guess the, the guy from House of Dragon, uh, Aegon Targaryen. We both met him actually yes. at a wedding. He's he a, went he's to our school, didn't he? Yeah, he did, exactly. So I guess yeah. maybe him. I can't really think on the spot, but he's the first one that came to my head. Yeah. Well, have a think about it. I've, 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 you know what? We'll put this out to the listeners. Who's the most famous person you've met? In the strangest circumstances, I'm looking for both here because um, if you can top Jamie Vardy outside of a train toilet, um, then I'm very interested. Secondtierpod at gmail.com will uh, give give you a mention in the next episode. Anyway, uh, let's take a quick break, Justin. After that, we'll talk about that Jaden Philogene goal, which has been all over your social media over the past few days. Mom. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. So let's talk about that goal, shall we, Justin? Hull came from a goal down to win 2-1 away at Rotherham, but it wasn't the story of the game. It belonged to one man, Jaden Philogene. I mean, this goal has been all over X, hasn't it, formerly known as Twitter. And, you know, what a goal it was. Or was it? Because unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, there may not be the Puskas award heading to Hull anytime soon, because at first glance, it appears like a, an incredible goal, Justin, but then you see alternative versions, angles of the goal, Justin. It may not be all that it seems. I wanted to believe. I really did. I I, I, I banked everything on this. Um, and, and unfortunately, I, you know, it was taken away with one angle. Um, so thank you for the, thank you to the Rotherham fan for yeah, really, uh, for, for for filming that sequence of play um, from the from the angle he did because it was it was superbly useful um, to get to the bottom of this. I will I will admit it was an outrageous bit of skill to to attempt to Rabona there. I don't think it was a shot. It was definitely a cross. Um, the skill and control to compose himself to get in that position to do it was 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 brilliant. An absurd talent uh, from an absurdly talented player, but unfortunately, unfortunately, is headed in by a Rotherham player. It is headed in, and unfortunately, that takes away the magic it does. of the situation, doesn't it? Does. it? I don't think we can say for sure whether it would have gone in or not with the header, because it certainly seems to be heading towards that far corner. However, it's only just tucked in beside the post, hasn't it? So it's incredibly difficult to say for sure whether that header was the deciding factor here. But look, the EFL have given Philogene the goal. Um, I mean, to be fair, if you have a shot from 30 yards out and it takes a deflection, then more often than not, that still goes to the person who's had the shot, doesn't it? So I can understand why the EFL have done that. They can't say for sure whether that would have not gone in had it not taken the deflection. So I, I can I see know, why they've done that. I know why the EFL have done it. It's because it's blown up over social media. And I'm they are sure. they not, are jumping. This is this is a conspiracy theory. Don't get me wrong, but it's logical one. They are jumping on the the train of 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 the trend, aren't they? They are they are looking at how well it's been received on social media, and they've gone. Let's just give them the goal, and then you know maybe we can we can say look at the good things happening in our in our divisions because it was it was one million percent an own goal. There's no justification at all for Jaden Philogene to be awarded that goal, other than it's trending right now. Have you played for Southampton? 
ever in your life because the, the water told me the water right told now. me the water <laughs> told me that there's a there's there's a conspiracy bubbling here all right Letizia. here's a question for you justin if it didn't take the deflection would it have been goal of the season for you because judging from what you're saying you think it was a cross so i'm guessing not i i yeah, a long time listeners of the show i have a well no i have a very high um you know threshold. Uh, bar threshold for a goal of the season so if a if a shot comes come cross goes in i can't i can't give it now this is a special circumstance because it's a rabona it is outrageous but he's not attempting to shoot there. He's getting that into the back post and he's doing it in, in the only way Jaden Fulligine knows how to. And that's a bloody Rabona. Um, so yeah, spectacular bit of skill, but I do sit there and think, I think Wes Burns' goal was probably better than that, even if he didn't take a deflection and goes in. I think if I'm being extremely harsh, it still wouldn't have been goal of the season for me. I think it's one of those that social media goes mad for. And while it would be a marvellous goal... It's more about having the audacity to do it rather than it actually, rather than the difficulty of the actual goal. Because yeah. so far, the, the, front, the, the two front runners for goal of the season are Joe Rothwell's mm-hmm. volley for Southampton and Wes Burns's Traveller for Ipswich. Both of those are substantially more difficult goals than Philogene's would have been. Still would have been an incredible goal, but I just think, I think every championship winger or just about every championship winger could do Philogene's goal. Would they have the audacity? That's a different question. But I think Rothwell's and Burns's goals are so difficult yeah. that it puts them firmly amongst the best goals we've ever seen at championship level. Philogene's would have been an exceptional bit of skill, but not as good as the other two goals, in my opinion. Do you know what might happen at the end of the season? And this is going to cause such a debate when it, when it happens, but because I think the EFL will always bat themselves into a corner by awarding Jaden Philogene that goal. So when they award the goal of the season to him, mm. there are going to be protests. That's a good point. There That'll going be to very be very interesting to see what they do there. Now, now you've now yeah. you've heard something. Told you me. the water's told me something. The water has told me something. There you go. God, full Ricky <laughs> Lambert here. Um, anyway, let's move on from that. On Wednesday night, there was a big relegation six-pointer, but it was Stoke who ran out the 1-0 winners at home to QPR. Stoke had won just two of their last 17 league games prior to this. They were in woeful form, so this was a huge relief for everyone involved, especially Stephen Schumacher. His celebrations after the game were huge. On the other hand, a poor result for QPR, though. Into every time we think a side looks as if they could get dragged into the bottom three, they suddenly just get one result and end up five points clear. Whereas, you know, QPR, they're our last hope in making this relegation mm. battle somewhat interesting. And look, they had a bit of form heading into this and just couldn't make it count. And the thing is, as well, you look at some of their results from the past two months. They lost to Sheffield Wednesday, drew it home to Huddersfield in a game where they were lucky not to lose, and now lost to Stoke after Stoke had just lost four on the bounce. QPR have had numerous chances to get out of this bottom three, Justin, and just haven't taken that chance several times now. And that leaves me thinking they feel almost destined to get relegated, don't they? It's the psychological aspect of those games, isn't it? They are big games they are huge games and if you're not coming on the other end of them uh, with a win or or at least a point then yeah there's, there's, there's a big issue at, at hold there because they have played well over the last four games you admitted to them just now being in some vein of form which is a which is a big surprise for me our, our lad because you've been debating that over the last couple of weeks but games. it's still form form's form <laughs> 
But you look at this game and they, they, they had Stoke there for the taking. Stoke weren't particularly great. Steven Schumacher acknowledged it himself that it's about results and not football. Gives you an idea of how sexy Stoke particularly played against QPR. And QPR had some good chances and they didn't take them in this game. And I think that's the, the frustrating thing. And that's where the psychological aspect comes in. Because again, you look at the goal they conceded, they switched off at the back post at a set piece once again. For me, I think it's more down to the psychological aspect of losing a lot, not being in, in great confidence and unfortunately not being able to get a run of form together. And that's the big thing for, you, for QPR. They are not beating the teams that they need to be and getting results against the sides that they expected to lose against. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's, a, that's a very fair point, Justin. And I mean, when when QPR had put together this small run of form that they had uh, managed to collect, you thought maybe this is them finally getting some momentum. But this is a great way to really drive out all of that momentum and just leave them, you know, struggling to put things together again. I mean, you look at who they've got this weekend. They've got Bristol City away. And as we were just saying at the start of the show, that Bristol City are a side who have been making a lot of progress recently and you look at the teams above QPR directly I mean Millwall were the team who we were just talking about a second ago who are struggling but they've got Sheffield Wednesday at home so on the face of it you'd expect Millwall to get at least a point from that and if they don't get three points then that'd be quite disappointing but you, you'd have thought they'd get three points Huddersfield mm-hmm. have got Hull at home tricky game but not completely out of the question they get three points as well so this could be a pretty bad weekend for QPR and just leave them once again looking like they are the team destined to round off that bottom three. I mean, it is worth saying it's been the same bottom three now since September. At no point has any other side dropped into that relegation zone. So when I say it almost feels like they're destined to get relegated, that's what I mean. QPR just can't seem to make headway in terms of getting out of there. And every time they do, they just get pushed back down onto their arse and then they've got to start all over again. Elsewhere in the relegation battle, there was a great result for Huddersfield. They won 1-0 at home to Sunderland. It means they've moved from 21st place for the first time since October and now have a five-point gap between them and the bottom three. And John John Eustace lost on his return to Birmingham with Blackburn. They were beaten 1-0 thanks to a goal from Andre Dezel. Both sides have been hovering above the bottom three, looking over their shoulders recently. So a big result for Birmingham to ease their small hopes of, no, small chance of getting relegated. Obviously, it's not small hopes. That makes no sense. Um, Not a completely happy return for Eustace on his, uh, on his, uh, travels back to St Andrews, although he got a bit of joy afterwards, a fan invaded his post-match press conference and said, all the best, John, they should have never got rid of you. <laughs> what what a polite invasion that is. Usually it's something a bit ruder than that, but that's just a very nice welcome back, I suppose, isn't it? And during this press conference, he was also asked about being sacked after Birmingham chief exec Gary Cook said they weren't aligned with expectations. Eustace said, that's up to Gary. I was very happy with the work that I did at the football club and you can see the football club grew and I left it in a much better place than when I came in. We were playing some really good football when I left, so I'm happy with the job I did. All absolutely true, Justin, right? Spot on. Yeah, it can't really begrudge John Eustace. I think he's been, been incredibly respectful. For me, if I was John Eustace, I'm a bit more bitter. I, I'd have been devastated that I've taken my new team to St Andrews and lost because all I want to do is run across that pitch because obviously the the um, the director's box is at the other end of the, the, the pitch to the dugout at St Andrews and I'd just, just give uh, Gary Cook the middle finger. That's what I'd have done. Straight to the point. Yeah. Subtle as always. I think if uh, if Blackburn did manage to, you know, get something here, it would have been 
fascinating to see Eustace's reaction. I'd like to think he would just give, because Eustace is quite a level-headed bloke. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to have at least seen him give a little, you know, fist pump to the um, towards the director's box. Yeah. I'm not sure if you I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I'd have, grabbed, I'd have asked for two cans of beer from the crowd, smashed it together, Austin 316, middle finger, both at Gary Cook and whoever, whoever else sucked him, climbed, on the, climbed to the advertising holdings and then gone back into the uh, changing rooms. Fine. And stone-cold, stunned Scott Hogan. Exactly. Um, <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of a reason. Um, well, there's... That's what one former Birmingham manager is doing. Meanwhile, have you seen that Wayne Rooney is reportedly in talks to compete in a boxing match? He would be part of the Misfits boxing promotion. You remember there was that you know big KSI v Tommy Fury fight last year. That's Misfits who are behind all that. Um, so that's apparently what Rooney might be doing very soon. And the question I've got, Justin, why? Why is he doing this? He's got to prove that he's not washed as a football manager. So, of course, if you want to get a new job in football management, you go into you go into boxing. It's a natural thing. I I can't believe John Eustace didn't do it after he was sacked mm-hmm. by Birmingham. I mean, Darren Moore's got a job at Port Vale. I was surprised that he's not done it either. Neil Warnock, he'd have been he'd have been pretty handy. So, I think Wayne Rooney's, you know. I guess a form of therapy after you know being sacked. It's a quite a uh, a, a difficult experience, um, and as you know, I can't wait to see a middle-aged man who's not in his peak physical condition, um, unprofessionally unprofessionally box. That's going to be a, a big highlight for me. I cannot wait for that sporting event. I tell you what, Darren Moore, I reckon he'd be a fantastic boxer. No, he's big too day. nice. He's too nice. No, I reckon he's nice outside the ring, but as soon as he gets in there, he's an absolute animal. And um, the thing is with Rooney, though. He, he he is known for his boxing. He's he, he was uh, before his. Hang on, hang on, Justin. But you're laughing. But uh, there is a serious point here. When he was a kid, he was a keen okay. boxer. Um, when he was a teenager, growing up before football came along, he was. I think I'm right in saying he, he was even considering possibly you know taking that up as a career as opposed to football, mm-hmm. which I think uh, would have been a poor decision on his behalf, judging from how he did against Phil Barnsley. Yeah. Um, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> he is obviously a keen boxer, and uh, as, uh, yeah, but his, his, his last televised fight was against Phil Bosley, and he got knocked out of him three punches in his kitchen. Yeah, yeah, but he I, his I, last televised wasn't doing much commas. sparring up to that point, Justin. So who knows? I just wonder why Rudy is doing this in the first place because surely he's earned enough money during his career that he doesn't need to step into the ring. I, I, is he just bored? I can. That's the only thing I poss- can possibly think of. He just needs to find a hobby that isn't that isn't boxing. As I say, he's a middle-aged man. He's not in his peak physical condition. This isn't going to be a fun fight to watch. This is going to be a man who's not in his peak physical condition trying to slog it out with someone else. I mean, who's he going to fight? Uh, that's the other thing. It's got to be an it's, yeah. It's got to be an ex-professional footballer. Otherwise, there's no point in watching it, is there? I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of players that he's had barmies with. What about that referee who was, um, you know, when he scored that goal against Newcastle, mm. and he's given the referee an earful, and then he volleys that goal in. Maybe, maybe, maybe you should fight that referee. Maybe. Well, I mean, Ronaldo's the obvious one, isn't it? After or Tevez. That'll be a good fight. Carlos Tevez. Up debacle. Um, yeah. Who knows? Let's see how it all unfolds. I suppose, Justin. Um, yeah, I think um, the, the only other thing I would say is surely Rooney doesn't need the money. But all I see on Instagram now is him advertising tat. Do you follow him on Instagram? All I he don't. seems to do I, is yeah. put out video after video of him 
advertising some random tat. And I'm just like, why do you need to do this, Wayne? You're, you're a, a very rich man. You're better than this, or are you? <laughs> I'm not sure if he's better than that. And then the final game we'll talk about here, Justin, is Norwich 4, Watford 2. Four wins from six now for David Wagner's men, but quite a bizarre evening at Carroll Road. Despite Norwich being 2-1 up at the time, there were loud boos when Wagner took off Josh Sargent and Onel Hernandez. Norwich would, of course, go on to win, but Wagner wasn't happy after the game. He said, this small group that we have, from my point of view, should stay at home. This doesn't help and it affects the players. Those that boo aren't true supporters. Such a bizarre situation, isn't it? What What do you make of all this, Justin? I do have to sit on David Wagner's side a little bit. I mean, if you consider Josh Sargent, for example, who had a big long-term injury in the first half of the season, if you lose him again, it's not going to be ideal. So you've got to manage his minutes. And obviously, the you know we're getting into the business end of the season. You've got to you've got to manage the minutes of your key players so they don't pick up uh, muscle strains and whatnot. So aside of him there, but I think I think he's right. But it's also the fact that David Wagner's doing his very best alongside Ryan Lowe and Mick Beale to become one of the most disliked managers in their in their clubs' respective uh, recent histories. Yeah, well. Um... I don't think he's he's got uh, he's got any problems with regards to that title. But I mean, look, David Wagner's entitled to his opinion. What I will say is supporters pay a lot of money to go to games, a lot more at Carrow Roads than most other grounds in the championship, I may add. So they can do whatever they damn well please. And I think the response from supporters is an indicator of how they feel about Wagner's rather negative tactics. Now, to be fair to him, you're right, Justin. From what I understand, both Sargent and Hernandez were taken off because they've been lacking fitness, which is fair. However, the supporters aren't meant to know that. And if they want to show their displeasure about the manager, that's up to them. And it says a lot about the infighting at Carrow Road and how fans simply don't believe in this manager, despite them doing well when you look at the table. I mean, they were sixth heading into Wednesday night. So, you know... I keep talking about how it's surprising that Norwich are as high in the table as they are, and that's that point still remains as far as I'm as far as I'm looking at it. But it's not a happy camp, and this could be something that costs them in the final fourteen games of the season. All this infighting, Justin. Yeah, I don't think it would cost them. I think the only thing that's going to cost them is probably a blip in form down to David Wagner's inability to get the best out of the attacking potential at this side. I think that's the big thing. I don't think he's going to care, or the players are going to care that they're going to. Going to have a, a group of supporters boo certain decisions. He's going to get well, that. He says leaks. it affects the players. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's just trying to tell people to shut up. How do I know? How do yeah. I? Because I've been in that position. I've been booed before. Have you? I mean, you've you've been to watch me on a Sunday morning where you where you have audibly booed me um, when I've been playing football. So yes, I have. Yeah. I'm, this is year. We're going back years. I don't need to bring up an anecdote, but you've not been the most supportive co-host uh, in my football endeavours. Slanderous claim is being made on the second tier <laughs> podcast to round things up. Um, incredible goal by young Yasser Aspria, by the way, mm. as well. That oh my was God. An unbelievable goal from him. 20 years old. He is such an unbelievable talent. And, and the final thing we'll finish things off with is uh, West Brom. They've confirmed Daryl DK is set to be out until the end of 2024. We were saying on Sunday how he must be one of the most unluckiest footballers going. But to emphasise the point even further, the reason he missed the first half of the season was because of an Achilles injury. And the reason he's now out is also because of an Achilles injury, except this one is on the opposite leg to the previous Achilles injury. He's done both Achilles in the space of a year. Mm. He's absolutely mental, isn't it? 
So unlucky, so unlucky. And you know, just uh, what we said on um, at the weekend when uh, yeah, we were reacting to the news and breaking down uh, against Ipswich, it's so so unlucky. And for it to happen to the opposite leg, I mean, there might be some there might be some uh, biologist or, or biomechanics uh, major who can tell us why that's happened. But um, if anyone's a listener, that would be useful actually. Who has that degree? Um, but it's not like he's physically not capable. You know, he it looks like he's such strong you know built guy so for it to happen to him um it just shows how yeah how unlucky he is I just feel so so sorry for him but speaking of West Brom we will be talking about them in our previous show with SBK tomorrow because that's going to be our game of the weekend West Brom v Southampton such a massive game in the championship so we'll speak about we'll speak about that tomorrow ladies and gentlemen and make sure you join us then for the previous show sponsored by SBK where we'll also be making our predictions for the championship this coming weekend ahead of another massive round of games in the championship so we bloody look forward to seeing you then but this has been the second tier podcast and we'll be back again on Friday I have been Ryan Dilks I have been Justin Peach and a big thank you for listening Second Tier is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.